And uh, man, we are excited uh, to have you gathering with us today. It's going to look a little different today. We've been in, uh, there we go, Michelle's like, oh no, there's more, and there's more. Um, But we've been in Esther uh, for a while now, but we're going to take a break for just a week, uh, and then we'll jump back into the story next week, uh, looking at Esther chapter 8. But man, I'm glad and excited. Uh, One of the the things I love about the church, the Big C Church, is that, man, uh, God has gifted people that, that uh, man, live anywhere and everywhere, right? And, uh, man, with that, we get to be a part of God's family and see God's gifts be used by others that maybe uh, aren't partners here at Center Church. And so uh, this morning we have just that. I'm excited to welcome uh, a friend, first and foremost, uh, a mentor, um, in my, uh, time of, of counseling and growing as a counselor, this guy has helped me and meets with me. He has counseled me, uh, and really, uh, is probably one of the catalysts for, uh, why I love counseling others. Um, because, uh, man, the way that he has led me and, and cared for me throughout the years as a counselor, uh, has really shaped my heart for counseling. And so, uh, with that, I want to invite Jeremy McCowan to come up. Jeremy uh, has a history here, aside from knowing me. He knows Nathan uh, when Nathan was little, and so just ask him to tell stories later. Uh, he would love to. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Jeremy is the director of Better Days, uh, which is a counseling uh, ministry. Uh, he has been in pastoral ministry as well, uh, but he resides in San Antonio. Uh, he, um, yeah... I hope he loves the Dallas Cowboys, and maybe not, Uh, but we'll see. Don't hold it against him, Uh, but I'm going to let, I'm going to pray and uh, for Jeremy, and then he's going to lead us through uh, our time in the Word today. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for the body of Christ. And so now, God, I ask that you would just be with Jeremy as he uh, proclaims your Word. Uh, Lord, uh, again, that it it would um, transform our lives. Uh, And so uh, be with him now, speak through him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I do not like the Dallas Cowboys. Just want to throw that out there. Um, I don't mind the Dallas Cowboys. I just just don't like them. Like Kyle likes them. We'll say that. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. My name, as he said, is Jeremy. Um, And yes, I do. If you know Nathan Meyer... And you would like any fun stories, I'm happy to share. I knew Nathan, um, grew up in Sabinal area, and one of his older brothers was one of my good friends all through, all through school, from kindergarten to, to graduation. So I've known Nathan since he was born, basically. So I got some good stories. But I've been, um, as Kyle said, I'm the director of an organization called Better Days that does counseling and primarily like the heart of our counseling and cares for pastors and ministry leaders. Um, I've been a pastor, was a pastor in Utopia, Texas for some years, and then we moved to Houston to help plant a church and then doing church planting and then got into uh, counseling the organization I'm with and then was serving as community pastor and working with the organization. And then we moved to Houston, my family and I, uh, back in 2020. So it's been three years, September of 2020, we moved to, to San Antonio. 
um, back closer to our, our family and home. And been in San Antonio for the past three years, uh, serving and leading the ministry of Better Days. And um, that's partly why I'm here today, uh, talking with Kyle the other day, uh, just asking him where he where he was in life and how he was doing and what did he need and hey, would you need some some space to just think and, and pray and take some weight off your shoulders, happy to come preach. And he said, yeah, I think that would be great. So here I am. Um, and today we're going to be in Second Peter chapter 1. Um, is the main passage. Verses 3 through 11 will be the, the bulk of what we're doing today. I'll read it. Um, I'm going to read it and then pray and we'll dive in. Kyle said I have like an hour and a half to preach, so I'm just going to like slow roll it, take my time. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, in brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is God's word to us today. Father, we ask that you would um, be alive and active, that your word would transform and shape and mold and the truth and the hope of the gospel would be ever present uh, may the, the meditation of all of our hearts and may the words of my mouth this morning be pleasing to you. Amen. Have you guys ever um, ever walked out on a Christmas morning and there's just some amazing gift set up there that you weren't expecting and it's all put together and it's shiny and it's amazing and your heart delights you know, I like, can't wait to dive into that. Like as a kid, you, have you ever had that experience? You walked out and there was just this whatever unexpected or maybe it was expected gift all put together right there for you. Well, it wasn't until I was a parent that I realized all the work that goes into getting that gift put together the night before with all of the billions of pieces and all of the stress and chaos, trying to get it together and get it set up just right so that the kids can come out. Have you parents ever had that moment? Anybody? Where you have this big project? Well, there's something about when you get that 
that present and you're like, oh, this is going to be great for the kids. And you don't realize that it's got to be put together. And when we put something together, there has to be tools, right? There's those things that you need to put it together. And how many times have we been doing something like that, some sort of project, been engaged in it and realized, gosh, we don't have all the tools. (laughs) We don't have the right tools. We don't have the right things to put it together. Um, Or maybe there's the gift that comes that needs batteries and batteries are not included. And the kids look at you, dad, and go, well, where are the batteries? And then the the mom looks at you, dad, and go, well, where are the batteries? You're like, oh, forgot the batteries. Well, the good news is, in life, um, I share that as an example because in, in life, there, there's so many things we want to be involved in or that we're called to or we're invited to be involved in where it, it, takes, it takes work, it takes effort, it, it takes all of the resources, all of the tools for it to be successful, for it to produce, for it to be fruitful, right? Have you ever felt that in, in the Christian life as a follower of Jesus? That you, you feel like, man, I just want to be fruitful. I want to be successful and productive at this. But I feel like I don't know if I have all the tools I need. I don't know if I have everything that I need. I don't know if I have what it takes, to live this way. Well, our passage today is some really good news. And Peter does a really good job of kind of getting at some tensions that we feel in life at times and kind of paves a way, kind of like paints a picture and shows us a way of how to walk out a life as a follower of Jesus that is productive, that is fruitful. Now remember when I got the chance to play varsity football, and I know you're, you're looking up here at me like this amazing specimen, like this beast of a man, 5'8", 160 on a good day. Like that guy played, I'm not Nathan Meyer. Like I went to the same school as Nathan, and he was a different level than me. But see, the, the thing, when you, get, when you get to play the varsity football team in a, in a town like Sabinow, which I know Brenham's a small town, but... Sabinel is a smaller town. The good news about playing sports in a smaller town like that is that if you, can, if you have legs and arms and you can walk straight like 70% of the time and you can breathe, they invite you to be a part of the team. So I didn't have any great like physical, physical specimen. I wasn't this great athlete. I was decent at certain things, but just being there and being able to to walk they're like hey we want you on the sports team so i was able to be a part of the varsity sports team and that's what what's crazy um is we didn't have like like growing up now when i look at like living we lived in houston for 12 years we live in san antonio living these bigger cities like you get into sports it's competitive and there's like there's tryouts for like three-year-olds you know like we got to make sure our three-year-old's going to be on the fast track to get into the nfl i'm like you kidding me sabinow texas we have tryouts like you don't have to try out you don't you didn't have to bring anything to this to get on the team I say all that because I wasn't the kid that coaches were looking at when he was in kindergarten to see, like, can't wait till that guy gets in high school. I wasn't that guy. But I made the team. I got the chance to play on the team. And that chance to play on the team was 100% a gift 
It was 100% a grace. It was 100% something other than me inviting me into it. I didn't come with all of this athleticism and have to beat out people to get on the team. I really didn't have to make much effort to get onto the team. I was just invited. See, our passage today, Peter starts out with this beautiful invitation of grace and uh, he shows us and displays for us what truly makes us a part of the family of God and how we actually got onto the team. See, in the crazy thing is when we get on the team, and I remember I didn't come with a bunch of athleticism and I didn't work hard and make all this effort to get on the team. I just got invited to the team. But then once I was on the team and I got the privilege to put on the uniform, I worked hard. I made effort. I wanted to be productive. I wanted to be effective. I wanted to be useful for the team. So I worked. I learned. I listened. I did what the coach said. I practiced things so that I could be effective in the team. So I did all of these things. I did them repeatedly. I did them faithfully. I did them obediently. I did them until they came became mine, I began to learn how to live this way as an athlete. And I did it all because I was already a part of the team and wanted to be effective for the team. I wasn't doing them to make the team. Peter says here that his divine power, verse 3, God's divine power has granted to us All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Verse four, by which he has granted to us. He has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them we may become partakers. So now because of God's power, because of God's Promises because of the process of the knowledge, faith in the knowledge of who Christ is, we now become divine partakers of the divine nature. We are now on the team. Not because we tried out, not because we brought our great abilities and greatness to God and said, Look what I got to offer. Now we're on the team because of His great power, His great love. His promises. He says straightforward here that these qualities. um, Sorry, not there yet. We're on the team. And then he goes on to say that these qualities. Then he gives us this list. Now that you're on the team, verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So he lists these qualities here, which this is not an exhaustive list list of qualities. This is just a few that Peter picked. There's others qualities of the Christian life that we could throw in here. But this is what Peter used. And he lists this list of qualities like, hey, now that you're on the team because of what God has done, because of his power, because of who he is, now you can make effort. Now you can start to live a particular way. And in so doing, you can be effective. You can be fruitful. What he says in verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective. They will keep you from being unfruitful. Effective and fruitful. 
is the kind of the, the, the focus of this passage when Peter's writing to the church here and writing to God's people is like there's a purpose and a reason for your life. There's produce to come forth. There's effectiveness that can come forth through your life. And if you want to do that, here's, here's how you are to live. And he gives this list of virtues. God's done everything. Now you have responsibility. And that's the beautiful tension that he brings forth here. Because we live in, we live in the world sometimes that we feel like there's kind of two ways it can go here. One is that we can believe in God's grace, believe in the truth and the hope of the gospel, believe in all of that and say, well, I'm saved. I now am a follower of Jesus and I can follow Jesus. Therefore, huh, I don't have to do anything. I'm saved. God's got this. And I can ne- neglect these characteristics, these qualities, these things that kind of show the world, that produce God produces through me that shows the world that I do follow Jesus. I just kind of can neglect that and rest and say, well, I'm I'm saved. Or we can swing the pendulum the other side and say, you know what? I I really can grab a hold and say, I need to make effort to make the team. I got to be this. I got to be that. I got to do good. I got to do all the right things. I got to do good all the time. And if I do that, God will love me. If I do that, God will receive me. If I do that, I'll make God's team and I'll stay on God's team. And Peter's getting out here, hold on, before anything else, I want you to remember, I want you to know, I want you to realize that you're on the team because of God, not because of what you've done, not because of what you can do. You're on the team because of God. Remember that. Now, because of that, I have responsibility for you. There's a responsibility. There's a responsible way to live that will show the world that you're a part of this team. He says you're invited. God has called us. He uses that language called. Invited. He's called us to live lives of purpose. He's called, called us to live lives that are fruitful and effective. He's called us to live here and now in a particular way that the world, others around us can see how wonderful God is. But that's just part of this passage. The very last verse Verse 11 kind of shows that there's more than just living here and now. He says, you're invited to join him in his eternal kingdom. So there's a future perspective as well. So we live this way. These people, the type of people that Peter's talking about here are not just people that are on the team here and now. These are people that are on the team that will be on the team in heaven. They're a step across the threshold into the eternal kingdom. We're partakers in the divine nature, means we're called to look like Jesus, to be the image of Jesus to the world, to imitate Him. It's our invitation here, he's talking about the invitation to be a son and a daughter, to be in relationship with Jesus, in divine union with the Son that's culminates, that's culminating and culminates in a future union with God for all eternity. Because of the power of Jesus, the process of growth, and the promise that we will arrive, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Now that we're on the team, the gift of grace, what's our response? Verse 5. Make every effort. Make every effort to supplement Make every effort to 
add to, make every effort to live a particular way. The same grace of God that's at work that brings us into union with Him and puts us on the team is the same grace that demands an effort on our part. So God's grace who invites us and brings us onto the team is the same grace that demands that we respond and now live a particular way. But in the demand, I use the word demand, and some of us go, maybe there's a demand on my life now. But rest assured, the same grace that brings you onto the team and demands a response is the same grace that enables and empowers you to live that way. The gospel of Jesus brings you onto the team. The gospel of Jesus now demands that you live a certain way. And the gospel of Jesus empowers you to live that way. We are to bring... This is a theologian. I don't know who this is. My notes don't put a name here. so, But it's in quotes. So I'm going to read it to you. A theologian once put it. One of the commentators that I read one time said, We are to bring into this relationship alongside what God has done every ounce of determination we can muster. We don't go haphazardly into relationship with Jesus. We bring Our determination, we bring effort. There's effort to bring. But I think we we get skewed in what that effort really is or what it's about. We get lost in thinking, oh man, if I'm a type A person, yes, give me my checklist. I'm going to live the perfect life and I'm going to be perfect in this way. And then what's underneath the surface there is my desire to be loved by God. And I'm trying to do this to be loved by God. And Peter's like, no, all of this energy and effort you're bringing into this is alongside what God has already done and the power at hand in your life. James 2, for as the body apart from the spirit is is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So we see the tension at hand. God's goodness God's power, God's grace, God's salvation, God's work on our behalf, our effort, our work, our response. I read somewhere one time that the the pastor Charles Spurgeon was asked about this. Hey, how do you how do you respond or what do you think about like this this tension between like God's providence and man's responsibility? And he's like, I don't like I don't try to figure it out. It's there. God works. We have responsibility. They go hand in hand. But our responsibility isn't to be saved and get on the team. Our responsibility is to be effective and fruitful and to display the beauty of Jesus through our lives. So that's what Peter's getting at here. We're not asked in these list of qualities, and we're going to get to um, kind of walk through them briefly here in just a minute. But these qualities that he's talking about here, we don't climb the mountain and stick a stake in the ground and say, I've, I've arrived at these qualities. The language that Peter uses here is if they are increasing in your life, ever increasing, it's an ongoing, continuing to increase in your life. It's not something that you arrive at. You don't start with faith and then say, all right, now I'm arriving at virtue. Okay, I got virtue. Now I'm going to take the next step to knowledge. Okay, now I've gotten up the knowledge step, conquered it. Now I'm going to be self-controlled. All right, I've mastered self-control. Anybody in here mastered self-control yet? 
Like you don't master these things. We increase in them. We give attention to them. We, we, we focus on them. We think about them. And by God's grace, as we're giving forth the effort towards these things, they're increasing in our lives. And the Christian life is not about trying to get to this mountain, stick our stake in the ground, say we've mastered it. The Christian life is an ongoing, as the words we just saw up on, the word, the pilgrimage with Jesus, a walking with Jesus and growing with Him all throughout our life, ever increasing. The battle of the Christian life is not to become something we are not, but to live into the reality of who we already are. Our effort is going towards living into the reality of who we already are in Christ. You're already, by His grace, through His power, a son and a daughter of Jesus, of the Father. You're already, by His grace, through His power, in union with Christ. So now your effort that you make is to live into that reality. So let's look at these qualities here. He starts with faith. If these qualities, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. He starts with faith. Because everything starts with faith. All of our life as Christians starts with faith. As followers of Jesus, it begins with believing in the grace of God in Christ. John 6 in John 6, these guys look at Jesus and say, what can we do to be doing the works of God? And he said, this is the work of God that you believe, that you have faith in him. Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Whoever would draw near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith is the beginning of it all. Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So everything starts with faith. And so Peter's saying, listen, God's grace has done all of this. His power has done all of this. And now you have faith in that. And now you're on the team because you have faith. Now begin to supplement that. Add to that. Focus on some other things around that. Mix it all in there. Don't just say, I believe and live. Believe and do some things towards that belief. And then he says virtue. And again, these aren't like an order step by step. These are things he just throws in here. The virtue. Add to your faith virtue. What does that mean? Some interpret it as excellence. Some interpret it as moral character. But in essence, the theologian John Calvin, I actually have a name that goes with this quote, okay? John Calvin says, a life... Excellence is a life that is honest and rightly formed. It's rightly formed. This is the excellence of man to live Christ likeness. The excellence of man is to live Christ likeness. Just as the excellence of a knife is to cut. If a knife is not cutting, it's not a knife. The excellence of the horse American Pharaoh, the racehorse, is to run fast. If it's not running fast, it's not a racehorse. Our excellence is to live honestly and rightly. And that comes only in a personal and continuous encounter with Jesus by faith. 
the excellence of who we are as followers of Jesus is to live in union with Jesus. So supplement your faith with virtue, with excellence. Live into who you were called, designed, created, gifted to be. And then he says knowledge. Add to, your, add to virtue knowledge. Don't just stop learning about Jesus the day you believed and got baptized. Grow in your knowledge and your understanding of who God is and what he's done on your behalf. We don't ever stop learning and growing in understanding. And he says self-control. Controlling our passions. Instead of being controlled by them, but controlled by the world, we're controlled by the spirit, indwelling Spirit of God. And we are able to, you know, in Galatians 5, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit of God working in our life. Live self, give attention to being self-controlled. Your passions, your desires, you can say no to them. Because the Spirit of God is active in your life. Steadfastness. Add to your life steadfastness, perseverance. Be unmoved by the distresses and the difficulties of life. We're going to live a crazy life in a crazy world. There's all kinds of chaos, all kinds of forces coming against us. Some we see, some we don't. It's just a mess out there. In the midst of all of the mess out there in the world, be steadfast. Persevere. Don't lose, up. Don't lose your faith. Don't give up. No matter what the world throws at us, no matter what struggle comes up within us, persevere. Romans 5, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance, character, character, hope. And hope doesn't put to shame because God's love has been poured out into us we have reason to persevere and be steadfast because of god's grace and work in our lives then he says godliness add to your faith godliness every practical godliness is a it's a practical awareness of god through all of our life are you aware of god in your life Do you wake up in the morning? Do you go to work? Do you come to church? Do you engage with your children? Do you engage with your friends with an awareness of God being present and active in your life? Every active aspect of life. Is there a devotion to Him? Honoring Him for who He is and living in honor of that in our lives. That's godliness. We're aware. We're in tune with Him being there. Then he says, brotherly affection. That's the word phileo. That's Philadelphia. That's brotherly love. We, we cannot have godliness or faith or be in the body of Christ without brotherly affection. It's part of who we are. First John 4, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. You can't love God and hate other people. Brotherly affection is part of the character of who we are. And then he sums it all up with love. Takes it a step further. Not just brotherly love, thinking about other people. How are you caring for those neighbors and crazy strangers out there? No, he says love, which is the agape love. The deliberate desire for the highest good of another person. The deliberate desire of the highest good of another person. Especially in sacrificing of yourself for them. That's love. 
He starts with faith, he ends with love, and he mixes in this whole other bunch of stuff in here, characteristics, because faith is where we start as followers of Jesus, and love is the culmination, it's the cornerstone, it's the anchor of all that we are as followers of Jesus. It's love, faith and love. And in the midst of that is this beautiful mixture. And there's other things that Peter doesn't mention here that are the blend of who we are as Christ's followers. Now, I know we can often fear living a life of effort and devotion, right? Maybe you fear that it, people are going to get the wrong impressions if we, like, if we feel like we're striving towards something, making effort towards something, being more loving, being more kind, being more steadfast, being more godly. Like, whoa, 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 you're being a little too religious there, right? So it may pull back and oh, I'm not going to give much effort. But that fear should not hinder us from making the effort, It doesn't free us from the responsibility we have. The truth is, when we seek to please God, although He's already pleased with us, so our response now is to obediently follow and obey and pursue these things. To give effort towards these things. With all of these things, faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly, brotherly affection, love... Without them in our lives, we aren't players. This is who we are as players. His divine nature brought you onto the team, and now this is who you are. That's what I mean by our effort is now living into that. Because it's us, it's ours. We have all of these things now in Christ. Verse 10 and 11, he says, Now be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Confirm how? By practicing these things. If you practice these things, you're not going to fall. If you practice these things, you're going to be, as one, one person said, an apple tree and this goes back to kind of the word excellence, the apple tree is an apple tree because it produces apples. If it doesn't produce apples, it's just a tree. So the produce of our lives displays to the world who we are. And all of these things, and effort towards these things, produces what the world will see and go, oh, that's Jesus. That's who he is. That's what he's about. Wow, he's so kind, he's so controlled, he's so excellent, he's so loving, that's who he is. So Peter's not saying here that we do these things in order to get into the kingdom. He's saying that we now as his people respond by his divine power. With these things. We practice these qualities and characteristics. These are the people of the kingdom. It is their character. Because it's the king's character. It is their character because it's the character of the kingdom. These are the qualities of the kingdom. So this is how we live. So make every effort. What does that mean Jeremy? Thanks for asking. 
making every effort. If you were to try to, if you think about your, your everyday life, how can you make effort towards faith? How can you make effort towards virtue? How can you make effort towards these things? Because the temptations of the world and the craziness of the world is going to, the language here, it's really interesting, like the natural flow of the world is this way. The natural flow of life is this way. It's very easy to not be godly. It's very easy to lose control. It's very easy to not love people. It's just the natural flow. So the language of make every effort is turning against the flow and putting energy against it. Right? It's like swimming against the current. You're putting energy against that. And it's a continual effort in our lives to say, in this moment, with this person, with this situation, how can I live by faith? With this person, with this situation, with this circumstance in my life, how do I live virtuously? How do I remain steadfast? Am I given? It starts with first and foremost, it's an attention to it, a thinking about it. Am I loving my brother and sister right now? Am I being sacrificial? Am I like give attention to it in these moments of our lives? But here is Peter's beautiful answer to this. It's not what we read. It's added to verse 12 says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though, even though you're established in them, even though you know them, I'm going to remind you. So the way that we make our effort is remembering. The way we make effort is being reminded. He says, I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will come soon. Verse 15, I will make every effort. Peter's like, here's the effort I'm going to make. I'm going to make every effort that after I depart, you may be able to at any time remember these things. Recall them. Peter's direction, I'm going to give energy and effort in my life to remind you of the power and the truth and the hope of the gospel of Jesus and to remind you that as you live into that, you have responsibility to live in a particular way so that you would produce fruit and be effective in the life He's called you to. That's my effort so that there will be days when I'm not around. You can recall, think back, and remember, oh, look what God has done in my life. Oh, Am I being virtuous? I haven't been virtuous lately. Oh, I have not been very godly lately. Oh, I need to remember and make effort and energy towards that. The way we make effort, the way we grow in this is remembrance. It's being reminded. So the question now, the question now is how does that come about? It's pretty amazing because we can hear the language of make every effort and think, Gosh, that's so much responsibility upon my shoulders. I don't even know how to do that. But the beautiful thing about make every effort in this context of remembrance is that it's happening right here today. 
All you did was wake up, wrestle your children, put all their fancy clothes on, brush their teeth before you went out, shoved them in the car, got in the car, got your coffee, yelled at your spouse, did all of that, got here, walked in, sat down, took a breath, and you're reminded. It took effort to get here, yes. But this is a part of it. It's not much It didn't take much. Yeah, internally and mentally and with your little kiddos, yes, it took a lot. But all you're doing is showing up with the body of Christ, participating in the community of Christ, and you get to be reminded. You get to remember. That takes a lot of pressure off. So now, with that context in mind, think about your life and think about ways that you can implement more of things like this. Meaning, how can you remain connected and be continually a part of the body of Christ here in Brenham where you are reminded and where you can remind other people? Where you together as his body can remember That his divine power has given you all that you need for life and godliness. Where can you be reminded and remember that you have responsibility? That you got to continue pushing back against that stream of culture and life and world and flesh. He says that if you're not producing, if you're unproductive, you've just forgotten. Verse 9, forever lacks these qualities, is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he's been cleansed from his sins. You've just forgotten. So be reminded. Make the effort to be reminded. We need the gospel every day of our lives. We need Jesus every day of our lives. And remembering Jesus is what empowers us to pursue these qualities. Remembering Him. Being reminded of Him. Remembering the gospel. Remembering His grace. Remembering His power. Remembering that we're already on the team. If you believe in Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, if you have devoted your life to Jesus, if you celebrate and enjoy Jesus, you're living into the reality that you're already on the team. You have faith in Jesus, you're on the team. Now that you're on the team, go wholeheartedly, empowered by the zeal of the Spirit of God within you, go wholeheartedly after the things of God. Go wholeheartedly into His Word. Go wholeheartedly in loving. Go wholeheartedly in being a part of His body. Do what your heart was created to do from the beginning. Enjoy God. Commune with Him. Seek after Him. That's what we were designed and created to do and be. Enjoy God. Go wholeheartedly into that. We can never hear it enough. We can never hear the gospel. We never hear the truth. We never hear the power. We never hear the love and the glory of Jesus enough because it's the foundation of all that we are. We're in the game. 
So my hope and my prayer for you guys is that you would remember that and that in response would make effort and not be idle, not be stale, not be lifeless, but put forth effort to think about, to remember, to supplement the faith that you have so that you would be productive. You have what it takes. As a parent, you see the big box, you see all the stuff that's got to be put together, and the first question on Christmas Eve is, do I have what it takes to get this together before tomorrow morning? Good news, my friends. You have what it takes. There's no Christian in this world that does not have what it takes to live in this way. Because of God's power, God's grace, and God's presence with you through his spirit and because of his word, you have what it takes. So may it stir you and may you continue to make a difference here in Brenham and around the world. You guys pray with me. Um, we're going to pray and invite the worship team back up and we will take communion in just a moment. Father, thank you for your divine power that gives us all that we need for life and godliness. Father, thank you that you invite us through your grace and your love, into your family as your children. And in joining your family and entering into your family, being in union with you, we thank you that you now clothe us with righteousness, with truth, with the beauty and the grace of the gospel and that you call us to make effort to live into these things. And I pray for this church community, Father, that Center Church would be a church that is fruitful and productive in the kingdom and would experience the love that you've given them and display that love to the world. Amen. I invite you. I want to invite you to uh, come and share in communion. Um, and if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, this is our reminder uh, that man that we are on the team uh, in, in doing so that we are called to something more than who we are. Uh, and so I want to invite you to that now. Um, I'm going to pray, and then uh, you can come. If you're a partner with us, even if you're not a partner, if you're a follower of Jesus in good standing with your church, we invite you to come and share in what Jesus has done 
And what you'll do is you'll come and receive the elements and then uh, come down the center aisle, make your way around the side and, and, and get seated again. And then Jeremy's going to uh, lead us in reading uh, from uh, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's words about uh, what we're about to experience together. Uh, today, if you're not a believer, today, if, even as Jeremy shared, you're like, wait, what does it mean to be on the team? What does it mean to, to follow Jesus? What, what, what does this look like? Uh, man, I would invite you to come talk to myself or maybe there's a partner here in the room that you know. Um, but we want to invite you into uh, what it means to follow Jesus. Um, and so I'm going to pray and then you can come forward and receive the elements. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken and your blood poured out. We thank you that in you we have life and life abundant. And in you, God, that that we are empowered to live an abundant and fruitful life for your glory and your glory alone. So now as we remember this, um, may it be another act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.